0: Welcome to Friends in Fiction, Five Best-Selling Authors, Endless Stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together. With chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, these friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Hello and welcome book lover. I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest book is On Ocean Boulevard. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my latest is Hello I'm Summer. I'm Harmel, my latest is The Book
1: of Lost Names. I'm Christy Woodson Harvey, and my latest book is Feels Like Falling.
2: And last, but not least, <laughs> I am Patty Callahan Henry, and my latest is Becoming Mrs. Lewis.
0: And this is Friends and Fiction. So tonight, I'm especially thrilled to welcome to our program an author I've never missed a book for. I've loved her for years. And like many of you, I found her voice, her unique wit and wisdom unlike any others. Elizabeth is a prolific writer. This is Elizabeth Berg, by the way. And she's a prolific writer. She is the New York Times bestselling author of many novels, including Durable Goods, which won the American Library Association Book of the Year Award. The Dream Lover, which was named one of the 10 best books of the year by USA Today. And Open House was an Oprah book club pick, which is pretty big. I loved her recent Mason Missouri trilogy. We were just talking about that in the green room. It's the story of Arthur True Love, Night of Miracles, and the Confession Club. And we all found that the message there of that there are good people out there is so relevant today. Her most recent work, I'll Be Seeing You, I think it's, there it is, right up there, I'll Be Seeing You, is a deeply personal memoir, charting the emotional waters of a daughter's efforts to guide her parents' move from a home they really love to a care facility as they struggle with Alzheimer's disease. We are so fortunate to have Elizabeth tonight because the book is released October 27th, so we are all getting an early peek at what will be her next bestseller. Elizabeth Berg's books have been published in 30 countries, and three of her books have been adapted into movies for television, and The Pull of the Moon was adapted into a play. In 2018, she received the Illinois Literary Heritage Award from the Illinois Center for the Book. And although Berg's plots vary, there are certain constants to be found that appeal to all readers. Love, loss, hope, compassion, and humor are in all her narratives. So, despite reading her books for decades, I only just recently met Elizabeth some five years ago in Savannah at a book festival, and I was with Patty. Mary Kay and we all fell in love with her and we had there's where we, we are. are that was our very first dinner together that was Marie, Benedict, Marie Benedict was with us that night too that's yeah, Marie, yeah Benedict.
2: Marie Benedict
0: yeah and we have to get on the show we love her too that yeah. was such a fun night and we all fell in love with her so tonight everybody let's all welcome Elizabeth Berg. Yay!
3: Yay. Yay. Hello, Hi. Hello.
0: Gotcha. welcome. welcome.
3: You thinking I've got to read this author? <laughs> <laughs> Thank well, you. that's the point, Elizabeth.
0: <laughs> Anyone out there who has not read this author, Elizabeth Byrd, you will by the end of tonight. I can't, who's, who hasn't? That's what I mean. I was going to say. Who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we always like to begin with a warm-up question. So, fall is a time that I and most people love to cuddle up and read a book. So, Elizabeth, you I have a quote from you that you said, I try not to read like a writer, and I find that my editorial self is intruding more often than I would like it to. But I want to read like a reader. I want to get lost in a book. So here's my question, and that's for all of us. First of all, Elizabeth, how's that going for you? Are you <laughs> able to read like a reader, or are you still reading like a writer?
3: You know, I'm sorry to say that it's both. Um, but if a book is really fine and I can get lost in it, um, then it's less likely that I'm that I'm reading like a, a writer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just pops up every up every now and then. Maybe this is true for all writers that, that I'm reading along and thinking, hmm, her editor made her do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do that too, that's funny yeah, uh, so um uh, it happens. it happened. The better the book is, the less it happens. Yeah.
0: That. yeah, that's true. I think that's true. Who else wants to answer? I think that I feel that same. How about anybody else? Well, I
1: when I was trying to get, I'm sorry Patty. it's like that you delay go <laughs> You go ahead. you go ahead. no, go, go, go. <laughs> um, I think when I was trying to get published, I did that more because I would be like, well, I mean, My book was as good as that, you know? I I, I think when I was trying to get published. But now, I think I'm more able to kind of, every now and then I'll think something like, I can't believe her editor didn't make her do that, or her editor did make her do that, or whatever it may be. But for the most part, I think I'm sort of able to like, just relax and get lost in the book, which is absolutely Mm -hmm. wonderful.
2: I, I don't ever, I don't think I really read like an editor, because I'm not a really good editor. But yeah, I do right. feel like some that one thing that's happened through the years is I give, I'll stop. I won't make myself finish a book if it's not oh grabbing yeah. me mm-hmm. where I used to almost feel guilty. I have, if I started it, I have to finish yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And even when I'm reading for a blurb, I think all y'all will agree. Even then I'm not, I don't really read it like an editor,
0: mm-hmm. but, right?
2: um, but I have put down books, Elizabeth, just like you said and said, oh, they went back and made her at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or or boy, the editor, but she must have been late because this yeah. is. rushed.
2: <laughs> I,
4: I've been reading a lot of early copies for blurbs lately, so it's copies that aren't all the way through copy editing yet, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, and I have found I tend to be hyper attuned to the things I do wrong. So word wow. re- repetitions mm-hmm. jump out at me because that's something I always do in like mm-hmm. second, third and fourth drafts. And that and I'm mortified when I realize they've slipped through. So I think that's something mm-hmm. I tend to notice about other people's mm-hmm. books. But that, that says more about me than the books, I think. Yeah,
5: I think what I have found um, over the course of my career as an author is that sometimes authors that I loved uh, earlier in my career now some just there's maybe one or two when I read them now I think to myself they you know they took the easy way out Mm. or you know they pulled they've used they've used that they've used that trick before Yeah. yeah And I would I didn't notice it. Yeah <laughs> my life is too short to
2: read that. True, yeah. But let's so, make a t-shirt. That's
5: but I also I <laughs> <laughs> an author when an author pulls off a great story, then I'm completely um gaga. Yeah. And, I, and I try to make myself stop and send them like a fangirl email saying that was terrific. Oh, that's, yeah. nice.
3: that's wonderful that you did.
5: Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, email you know yourself, it means a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you hear from an author, yes, you know, that someone liked your book. Um, there was a book I loved last year, Heavy um, Drake Starts Over. Yep. I remember I love that book so much, and I stopped after it was done. I, I sent her, I sent her a fangirl note, Aww. and said, you know, thanks. That was such a wonderful, you know, great. It hit every note I wanted it to hit. So <sighs> sometimes I'm tougher on on authors who I think. I don't ever think an author's phoning it in because we all know how hard we work. Yes, yeah. no author is literally phoning it in. No, Correct. sometimes the book doesn't. Sometimes a book doesn't succeed in what we'd hoped it would do, but I really, I truly don't believe any authors literally phone it in.
2: Yeah, I agree. Well, Well, I think we make a vow to write a letter to at least one other author this week. It's a
0: great idea. That's That's a a great idea. idea. Let me just say everybody on this. I love your books. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's nice to get a letter, you know. It's not it a is. look in your mailbox is a solicitation for pork chops. It's nice to get <laughs> It
1: is it's the nicest thing. And it amazes me how many people still like take the time to write
0: yeah. a letter. Like that's well, just when a fan writes an email or puts it on your mm-hmm. post or something, that's really moving too. Yeah. You know, that's a lot yeah, it of- it is, it is. we do read them. You know, yeah. We really do. oh yeah. yeah for sure. Well, all right, let's since we're talking about books we love, let's do book recommendations now. Elizabeth, I think you had a couple of books you wanted to recommend that you loved.
3: You you uh, very plainly told me two books, <laughs> so I have two. And um, and I have two novels, but this is essays. And mm. look at the jacket, I mean, isn't that so cute? great? Mm. Um, it's called like you're having a good time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> love, i love it. And
3: these are essays. She's so smart, and she's so funny, and she's so wise, and sometimes she's so angry, and she's very honest in these essays, and you can read one a night like, you know, like a chocolate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then no. the two novels um, are... Dougie Bain. I'm getting all mixed up here. Left and right. Left, yeah. right, up, down. Dougie yep. Bain. Yeah. Douglas Stewart. So, I read a review of this novel. It's a nice fat one, too. I read a review of it, and I thought, boy, that sounds like my kind of book. And it sure was. I mean, from page one to the very end, it is astonishingly good. And and I don't say that very often. So, I, I had him come on my little writer-author series, and uh, it's a good thing I did it early because he's now shortlisted for the Booker and for the National. Oh Booker. wow! Oh wow! Wow! In the universe, and honestly, he deserves to win every single one of them. Oh, oh, so oh wow! Um, it's yeah. a common page story that takes place in um, uh, Scotland, and the dialogue is so mm. it's the kind that you read over okay. and over again. You want to read it mm. again? Awesome. Wow!
0: And finally,
3: you guys are not going to have any time. Um, <laughs> Phil McCorkles, she's um,
2: amazing.
0: Yeah,
3: is what a feat! What a feat! It's like sleight yep. of hand. You just have. I, I think sometimes as writers, we all look and say, "How'd she do that? You yeah. don't know yeah. how she does this. It's magic. It's so affecting, so wow, so utterly believable and um, transporting. Mm-hmm. As it says on the cover, spectacular. Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> well, you sold oh. me. Yeah. yeah I'm go.
2: <laughs> I want to read both.
3: And I Kristen, love
1: getting not- done with something and thinking, God, I wish I'd written that.
2: Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's, yep, absolutely.
4: That's it makes the highest you, praise. makes you want to be a better writer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, highest praise. Yeah, yeah. Kristen,
0: that's I know great. you have a book too.
4: Yeah, you know, we always love to talk about debuts on our show. Um, and this one, which comes out in about a month, December eighth, The Mermaid from Jeju. It'll be out December eighth. It's just beautiful. It's a debut novel from a Korean American writer named Sumi Han. She now splits time between Korea and New Zealand. Um, the book is set mm. In post World War II Korea, and it follows the story of a deep sea diver whose family is torn apart after a tragedy. So it's part magic, kind of like a fairy tale, fable sort of thing. Part Korean history, and it's incredible. Um, So add it to your list now, and I will add it to the Facebook page, the Friends in Fiction page.
0: Well, thank you, and we will, everybody, put these recommendations up on our. Friends in Fiction Facebook page. So if you missed them, don't worry, we'll, we'll put them all up. And speaking of books, as you all know, we are passionate supporters of independent booksellers. And tonight, Elizabeth chose her local indie, The Book Table in Oak Park, Illinois. And I met Jason years ago when I came out to speak, and Elizabeth, you came I to that crowded room, it was standing room. <laughs> It was in the library. And um, this is in Oak Park, and everyone loves to come to Oak Park to see the Frank Lloyd rights. It's an absolutely wonderful city, uh, but it is the only independent bookstore there. And Jason said they'll do everything they can that's legal to make your book experience memorable. <laughs> and they're offering you the 10% discount with the code and fic F-I-C and that link and everything you need to know will be on our Facebook page. But here's the extra bonus. Elizabeth said she'd walk on over to the book table and sign copies of I'll be seeing you her new book and any of her books that are ordered through the book table. So you get an autographed book 10% off and you're supporting a local independent bookseller. So, um, Without further ado, Elizabeth, now we'd love to hear you talk about, give us a glimpse of your memoir, I'll Be Seeing You.
3: Yeah, um, well, this is a very different book for me, as you as you m- might all know. Um, I usually write fiction, but when my dad began getting Alzheimer's disease, and soon it became clear that my parents would have to leave the home that they lived in for 45 years. It was a journey of such confusion, frustration, anguish, full of missteps, full of things that I did that I wish I hadn't done. I felt a little lost at sea as to how best to help them. And what helped me most was hearing stories from other people about what they had gone through. So this book is a very personal, incredibly honest and frank diary of the decline of my parents. Sounds like a fun romp, huh? (laughs) Um, but, But I think, I think why it's, it's good to read something like this is, is, we are all, if our parents live long enough, going to be faced with something like this. We ourselves, if we live long enough, maybe hoisting things onto our children. And the best news about this book is that although it does outline all the all the sad and angry and, and confusing things that happen, it also talks about the humor and the grace. And that indeed is how it ends, with a great deal of hope and grace. It is at the heart, a love story. Mm-hmm. My dad was besotted with my mom all, mm-hmm. all my life. I saw the evidence of that. They kiss in the morning, they kiss at night. He adored her. And mm-hmm. so when he began, as he said, losing it, and she got angry about that, he didn't know why. He didn't know why. Mm-hmm. What was he doing that this woman that he loved so much was, was treating him this way? So... Um, uh, I think if you're interested, do the old flip test. No, you can read the prologue um, online. You, could, If you go to a bookstore, it comes out the 27th, you can flip through it. That's what I do when I want to read a book. I, it has to pass the flip test. It has to, everywhere I flip to, it has to be something that I find engaging. So um, that's it, that's what it's about.
0: Well, I have to say, as someone, I took care of my mother before she passed, and she lived with us. And I remember needing to find a book to help me just to read. Not, I didn't need a doctor, a therapist. I needed a book, and I found one, and it really did help. And my father-in-law had Alzheimer's too. And watching some of the things that your books have such detail. <laughs> And I remember the scene where you, he would watch her wherever she was in the room and he would follow her like a puppy almost. And that really rang true for me because this dependence that a person with Alzheimer has mm-hmm. is so strong and it's hard to watch. And again, in your father's case, because of the love. So you, you're you telling this beautiful and very personal story. And I really got into it. And I found it very comforting, actually. It helped me remember what happened in my own life. So the question I have, though, is writing fiction, as you have written so many novels, is one thing. But a memoir is completely different. And I've never written one. So I imagine it took some courage to start. But how do you approach writing a memoir? And how different is it to prepare for writing a memoir than writing a fictional novel?
3: You know, from the time I was nine years old, I've written By the Seat of My Pants, and I don't really prepare for anything. When I write a novel, I don't use a plot. I just start with some sort of feeling or a vision of some character. Let's say Arthur True Love, for example. With that book, I saw a, a kind of vision of an older man in a cemetery i saw his little stick out ears i saw the hat he was wearing i saw how he was sitting beside a grave and mm-hmm. i wanted to know what he was doing so i started writing about him so for me writing is a novel is the novel revealing itself telling the story it wants to tell with a memoir where you're telling the truth I didn't set out to publish this. I wrote about it because I had to write about it because that's Mm. how I come to understand things. That's how I process things. Ah. And after uh, the thing was all over, I thought, I think this could really help people. And so I sent the manuscript to my sister, who who is the one who lived in Minnesota where my parents did and did most of the heavy lifting. And, of course, she's in this book all over the place. And I, I reveal a lot in this book about about not only my missteps, but my mother's missteps. And, and I mean, one day when Bill and I went to visit them um, – my dad and Bill were sitting in the kitchen having lunch, a pleasant conversation. And my sister, my mother, and I were screaming at each other in the back room. And this went on for about 40 minutes. Luckily, my dad doesn't hear well. <laughs> uh, when it was all over, my Bill said, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, I sent it to my sister with all this stuff, you know, and I said, what do you think? If there's anything you object to, if there's any reason, not only because of things I said about you or about Mom or about Dad, but if there's any anything that bothers you, um, tell me. Or I'll publish it. So she read it and she sent me an email, all in caps, two words: publish this.
5: Oh, I um
3: saying that. So I, I. I really do believe that, that, that it can help people. Um, yeah. It's, it's important to me when I read a memoir, that it really be honest, that it really be honest. And mm-hmm. part of the, part of the good part about writing when you are not intending for anyone else to read it is that kind of honesty. And be honest. Yeah. yeah. And then when, it wasn't going to be published. I thought, well, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, you know, I have to say, the, uh, the, the, to me, reading it, the most courageous part was the mother. Because she, your mother had a hard time. And you spared her. You, didn't, you did not spare her. You were completely honest about what she went through and how she reacted to it. And your, your reaction as the daughter, that mother-daughter... I thought that was really strong.
3: Yeah, and, and I have to tell you that one of the reasons I put so many parts of the book in that make me out not to, not to be great, you know, is that we do make missteps in this journey. Mm-hmm. And we do things that we regret. And we do things mm-hmm. that we wish we'd done differently. Yeah. I believe that my mother and I came to a wonderful accommodation after my father died and certainly at the end of her life. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know of a prescribed right way to do this kind of thing. Yeah. I, th- I think you fumble your way through it. Yeah. But I do believe that as difficult as it is, and you'll know this from having read the book, that honesty comes with a price, but it also helps. And yeah, that yeah. sometimes, you know, I mean, anyone in a, a relationship knows that sometimes you have these horrible fights. And if you don't, then I don't want to know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really? you and yeah. and it clears the air sometimes.
0: It does. Yeah, so that's that's what happened here. Yeah. Oh, well, that was thank you. That was thank you for that. That was you, hearing you talk beautiful. about it. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. All right. Um, I know we have other questions. Christy, I think you have a question. Um,
1: So I said this to you backstage, Elizabeth, and um, Mary Kay is going to ask you a little bit more about it. But I absolutely love the story of Arthur True Love. I sat down on Sunday and I did not get up until I had finished the whole book, which I was not anticipating doing. But it just absolutely captured me and it was so heartwarming and it was so wonderful. And this is not what my question is about. And I'm going to kind of. paraphrase a little bit but i just saw this when i was going through my book and i highlighted it and i have to read it because it's so perfect for our show so if you haven't read this you guys this just struck me so everybody wants to be a writer arthur says but what we need are readers where would writers be without readers see that's what i do i am the audience i am the witness I am the great appreciator. That's what I do. And that's all I want to do. And oh, I just love that. So awesome. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's what we, so anyway, so I thought it was so appropriate for our friends and fiction group because um, they are the most amazing readers and we love them so much. And we're all readers too. So we're all appreciating yeah. in some ways. But I think my favorite part of the story is that you create this really non-traditional sort of family in these pages, but it is, A family all the same. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your family. And we always ask this question when we have guests on our show, but what were the values around reading and writing in your home when you were growing up? And how did that influence you um, later on in your life to become
3: a writer or if it did at all? Uh, No, um, actually my mother wanted to be a writer and um, it didn't happen for her. My father said to me at one point, you got her job. And oh. um, I think I got my own job but okay but she was an avid reader she modeled the value of reading like nobody's business I was raised an army brat so we moved every 10 minutes and the first thing my mom did wherever we landed was even before the boxes were unpacked, was to go and get her library card, wow. and she would, wow. she would take me along with her from the time I was really little. and And I remember wanting to be a librarian so that I would have my command post and also that excellent Stamper that was part of wow. Yes, I wanted to do that too Yeah And you could wear red lipstick And high heels <laughs> I, Maybe I was mixing up Dominatrix and library. <laughs> <laughs> But she Modeled that she always had a big Stack of books by her bedside That yeah. she'd gotten from the library She read every night She, she read everything She read mystery, crimes, thrillers Romance uh, Literary fiction She read everything and she appreciated everything, so that was a um, that was a really um, good way for me to understand how important books and reading were. And i mm-hmm. i was I was kind of heartbroken and very happy to give her my own books because I knew that oh. that's what she would have wanted to do. But she was very gracious about it. Oh. And when she moved, you know, in the, in the I'll be seeing you. She moves into a, it's an independent living facility. And she, she, you know, people talk about their children. She said, my daughter's um, an author and, and, the woman kind of looked down her nose at her and asked about me. And she said, yeah, she's a New York Times bestselling. And the woman didn't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> so then she went down in the library of the
0: facility and there it was. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. She wanted to be a house. How proud she must have been of you. How <laughs> I proud. I mean, that's a cool yeah, thing for yeah. any t- child to feel that you made your parents proud.
3: Yeah, it was, well, this is, you know, all my dirty laundry, this is documented in the book, too, but my dad, and I I was scared of my dad my whole life. He was a Mm -hmm. terrifying figure, and we had a really big fight, not when he was compromised in this way, but years before,
0: Mm
3: -hmm. um, something happened that facilitated an argument between my father and me that blew up all out of proportion, and I told him, I have been afraid of you all my life. You have never told me you loved me. You have never told me you're proud of me. And I went on with this litany of things. And see, it went on to heal us. It really did. He didn't know. He didn't know that I was afraid of him. And he wow. said, "I'm, I'm so proud of you." I'm gonna start Aww. crying. Um yeah, to you know, start crying. That's the, that's the value, I guess, sometimes in just putting it all on the table. Yeah,
0: the yeah. honesty. Yeah. Wow.
3: People are going, I'm going to start a fight with somebody tonight. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Right. Who's ready? I'm, write,
1: I'm a letter, write a letter tonight. to an author that you love and then go start a fight with, start-
0: <laughs> with We're a making list a the do list, list now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh, great. All right, Tommy. <laughs> hey, you have a question, please. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: Elizabeth! I've been just sitting here listening to you like I'm only audience. I forgot I'm supposed to ask you something. I'm like leaning in, and um, oh, I have loved listening to you for so long, and I have loved reading you for so long. Um, I know I've told you this story. I told it to you the day I accosted you at the Savannah book festival and I told it on my social media this week, but I'm, I'll tell it really quickly. But when I first started writing, um, I was keeping it a secret. I I was writing in secret and I had told Mary Kay Andrews because I, I knew her outside the writing world, but nobody really knew what I was doing. And I read your writing book. Um, I have a very battered copy of it marked up lined. Um, not at home right now, or I'd show it to you because it's beautifully marked up. Her, um, you're, It's called Escaping into the Open. And you were coming to speak at the Margaret Mitchell House in Atlanta when I lived in Atlanta. And I went to hear you. And I went alone because I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. And I sat in the back row. And I asked a question. I was so nervous, and I don't remember what the question was, and I don't remember what the answer was. But I do know that you looked right at me, and you saw right through me, and you said, "Are you a writer?" And I said, "I'm really trying." And you said, "If you're writing, you're a writer." That's amazing. And. I held on to that for so long and I loved that writing book and you have so many lines in there that make me say yes out loud. But when you talk about answering an insistent call to transfer what's inside, outside. I love that because we talk all the time on here about answering that call. So I want to know why you wanted to write that book about writing, because it's probably your only other nonfiction book besides the memoir, right?
3: Um, No, the first book I ever did was a nonfiction book that someone asked me to write. And I thought, well, I'll never do a book. I might as well do this. It's called (laughs) Family Traditions. And it's the only book of mine that's out of print. And it has Mm a recipe for how to make an a hard-boiled egg, just saying.
2: So, yeah, um, <laughs> I wanted to know why you write it, wrote it, and it came out in 1999. Would you change or add anything now? Escaping into the open? No. I wrote Escaping into the Open
3: because people, um, and you all know this, people tend to ask the same questions over and over about writing. And I thought, okay, I'm going to put everything I know and believe about writing in one place. And, yep. and then if anyone... Once that question answered, there it will be. Not only that, I'm going to put exercises in there, prompts and mm-hmm. suggestions for things to write. And um, and then, as long as I was throwing things in, I put in recipes. You put in recipes. <laughs> I know. Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that's why I did it is because people were asking um, a yeah. lot
2: the same questions. So here it all is. And you wouldn't change anything about it now?
3: No. Um, when I, I objected to the cover and so they reissued it with a, <laughs> another cover um, years later and I added more exercises because I got oh, nice. a letter from a guy saying, you know, you had this one prompt in there. You said use these three words in a story, snowman, pink and something else. And he wrote it, and it got published, and he was thrilled. And I was thrilled, honestly. I really was. Um, So he wrote me that letter, and I thought, well, I can do those all day long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For all you out there, the book, again, is called Escaping into the Open. And it's it's a a book on writing. So I know we have a lot of people in the audience who are – interested in improving their writing skills of becoming a writer.
3: I'm and I order too,
1: it. as yeah. I was gonna say yeah well, go, ahead, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna <laughs> say it's encouraging as <laughs> you were in person when I asked you about it, mm-hmm. it's the same tone you have in the book. It's if you're called to write and you and I were both nurses. So it's a second career for both of us. But if you're called to write then answer the call. What's yeah. the big deal?
3: Yeah, I know it's it's so um, frustrating sometimes because someone can be such a beautiful writer, and they're so shy. I bet you were this way, Patty. Well, I know you were this way because your writing is beautiful. But but they're scared and they keep it inside and they're waiting for the Pulitzer committee to come and knock at their door. <laughs> Hello, we're here for your manuscript. We'll just wait while you finish it. <laughs> You know, you have to, if you want to be published, first, if you want to write, you can write and, you know, just do that. Like Paul Simon says, find a quiet place and a humble pen. Um, yeah. But if you want to be published, you have to take a risk. And you have also, and I think this is in the book, too. And you have also to understand that if you are rejected, it may not have anything to do with the yeah, quality yeah. of your writing. Mm-hmm. Maybe this editor just bought a book that's similar to yours or an article or whatever it is.
0: The person you have most to please is you. Mm-hmm. That's don't do and that. that's so important to remind people that yeah. it's not just, maybe your book was rejected for reasons other than yeah. you wrote a beautiful book. It has In the publishing world, budgets, they just bought a book like yours. There's a lot of things that people don't realize is it's out of their ability to change. Yeah. So you just got to extend it out again. Yeah.
3: And and maybe you'll agree with me about this too. You you all are highly successful writers and it's wonderful to be a New York Times bestseller. It's wonderful when you get accolades or going over or whatever that is. But the biggest joy for me is the feeling that yes, I did it. It is from here yes. and out there. Yeah, nothing mm. matches that. You, okay. you think yeah. if you've not been published? Oh, you're just saying that. Or, or oh, I don't know about that. I'm going to feel pretty happy if I get published, and you, and you will. But the greatest joy for me is is in the act of writing. And I think a lot of us get really antsy when we're not writing because it's it's the drug of yeah. Yes. it's our drug of choice we are it <laughs> is
0: It's so true that's so actually my true. mom was yelling at me before i was just finishing a book and she said mom you i think it's this deadline thing is your drug of choice <laughs> <laughs> i agree with her
2: <laughs> we're gonna vote on her side i <laughs>
1: I've had, we can't go through that again, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, um, I guess, twenty-eight books published
5: now, twenty-eight or twenty-nine, and I think um, I'm as excited about finishing a book now yeah. as I was when I finished that first manuscript wow. that never got published. Yeah. The mm-hmm. fact it never got published, it got nice rejection letters. <laughs> um, but the fact that I finished it there I still remember the thrill yeah. of typing the end. And yeah. That. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I had to read and along the way I talked to other writers and, and people said to me it's it's you know, it's a journey and writing it in and of itself is a huge it accomplishment. Yeah. Anything else that happens after that, that's gravy. But the fact that you Set out to write a book, and you wrote a book, and you wrote the end. That's huge. That's mm-hmm.
3: Totally right. Well said.
5: They're going to be fighting over that first manuscript. I, don't, I think it's under a – I mean, I don't know where it is. It's my juvenilia. I want to bring it out.
0: We want to see it. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Okay, well, since you're already talking, Mary Kay, it's your turn for a question, please. Yeah,
5: well, you know, I, I had this question. I had thought about myself, but so mm-hmm. many people were asking on the Friends and Fiction page about Arthur. And uh, it's fresh for me, too, as Christy, you know, I I told you earlier, I was watching Arthur. I was reading Arthur Sunday night, watching the Braves lose the World Series. (laughs) And so I couldn't tell if I was crying about Arthur or crying about the Braves (laughs) blowing it. (laughs) I was wondering, um, when you when you wrote Arthur, did you foresee a trilogy at that time? Or what, you know, what was the motivation um, to to write three books and turn it into a trilogy?
3: No, I had no intention of doing that at all. When I wrote the story of Arthur Trullo, it was back in the old days when the only agonies were, were the kind of fractiousness in political parties. We, did, we were not dealing with. Oh, let's say a pandemic <laughs> It's just that and um, and I was very tired of the arguments I was hearing and the, and the incivility with which people treated each other and 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 I wanted to go somewhere where people were kind to one another. Mm. so I made up this town where, mm. where where I didn't shy away from the fact that there are troubles in the world, but I wanted to write about kind people and boy arthur is is it. Mm. And what, to kindness so after i finished that book i it was still ugly in the world <laughs> and so i wrote another mason book and when i finished that one it had gotten worse <laughs> and, and um i'm fiddling around with a fourth, um oh. and i also am oh wait wait, wait. you are doing a fourth I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I'm tweaking. Oh, Air yeah. first. Oh, yeah. I had, um, I've done a draft, and usually when I write, I don't, I don't edit a whole lot. But um, this one, I probably will need to do some more work on. Sometimes it's hard to work these days. What yeah, <laughs> um, you think? So, no. But <laughs> I, I, I also had uh, another idea of doing another sort of memoir. Um, so um, we'll see. You know,
5: you have to. As they say,
3: answer whatever call yeah. it is. So the
5: the order, Elizabeth, would you remind um, viewers what the order is in this series? Sure, it's the story of Arthur True Love, and then Night of Miracles,
3: and then the Confession Club. Right, and, and you know, I, I just want to tell you it's kind of interesting. At least to me, um, I got the idea for the Confession Club by going to see a play about Emily Dickinson. Ah, she was, wow, she was wow. making black cake on stage. Oh, you told me yeah. And I
5: thought, oh, oh, I think I can use this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Okay, so my question was a two-parter, even though I'm not supposed to ask a two-parter. The other, <laughs> there's nobody here to stop me. Uh, right. <laughs> the other part of the question is, your books have... Um, I don't know what would you call it midwestern nice Uh, your characters as you said arthur is a deeply kind mm -hmm. person your books have heart and warmth and humor but they're not saccharine how do you how do you balance that from not making them um kool-aid sweet you know I was
3: interviewed by Publishers Weekly for my second novel, Talk Before Sleep. And I said in that book... Oh, I love that book. To my lasting regret, I said... I am a rank sentimentalist, and I make no apology for it. Yay! <laughs> and then I learned how bad it is to be a rank sentimentalist. So, <laughs> so I, I I admit that um, I am a sentimental person. I am someone who cries at McDonald's commercials and who cries at, you know, I mean, <laughs> I can see a little kid do something and I cry. Um, so it it leans that way sometimes. But I hope it doesn't fall into the, as you described, the Kool-Aid sweetness. Yeah. And and, um, mm-hmm. and I guess, um, it, you know, writing for me is not intentional. So I'm kind of not watching out for anything when I do it. I just do it. I, I wish I could watch out a little bit better. But um, I, I guess I try to to draw from that reservoir within that holds so many moments and so many emotions and so many feelings that, I might not have dealt with at another time, but suddenly here's an opportunity. Right. Mm -hmm.
5: Like Matt, for instance, Maddie, Maddie is a wounded kind of feral Uh, child. And I love when she tries to get Arthur to say the F word.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He he just can't
5: do it. He can't. You can do it. Come on. So Maddie, you know, I think Maddie is kind of the, the leavening uh, character. Mm-hmm. um anyway that okay i'm done that was a my, my, uh, <laughs> my question, i know
0: you have a question too
4: yeah elizabeth um if For people who aren't familiar with you, and again, as we said earlier, I can't imagine who isn't, right? You've done so much. But um, one of the things we wanted to share with people is what you're doing on your Facebook page. You just have this beautiful, accessible style of writing, and it feels like a gift to stumble across one of your posts. Um, So personally, as a writer myself, I have trouble doing that, connecting that way with readers through Facebook. Um, I worry about editing. I worry that no one will care what I have to say. I worry that I won't say it right. Right. But you put it all out there fearlessly, a a gift to your fans, and hundreds of them respond every single time. time. It's amazing. So, um, So what does it mean to you to be able to interact so directly and instantly with your readers that way? And when you sit down to write one of these beautiful introspective posts, how long does it take you? What's going through your head? Are you editing? Are you going through drafts of it? Or are you just pouring it onto the page? Can you talk us through
3: that whole process? Well, first of all, thank you. Um, and and I, I I was a writer who was pulled kicking and screaming onto Facebook. My publisher wanted me to go on Facebook. I wanted nothing to do with it, but I've come to really love it because I think what happens is that you form communities of like-minded individuals who come to your because they feel the way you do about things. They like the recipes. They like when I have conversations with my dogs. They, the, uh, interestingly, the, the um, biggest response has come from sort of thinking out loud about really important issues. And um, I, this is a neat singly. For a commercial opportunity for me to, <laughs> that, uh, I know where of, you're going. <laughs> a lot of people on Facebook said you need to make a book out of these. And af- after the first person said it, I said I'm not doing that. And then and then someone else asked, and then someone else asked. and then I thought, well, maybe I should. And someone mm-hmm. said I'm getting tired of printing these out. I want a, a little uh-huh. book. So, uh, so I I asked my editor, would you would you like to publish a collection of my Facebook posts? She said no. So, <laughs> and um, I got them um, conveniently located right here. And my best friend designed the cover. This is make someone happy. That was the first one. And. Um, and there are two more, still happy and happy to be here. And the the reason they're the so-called happy books is that they really do seem to lighten the load and to make people happy. Some people keep it at their bedside. Some people keep it in their bathroom. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's a snippet that you can read and be reminded of the worth of nature and children. And um all mm. kinds of disparate things. And there are recipes in there
0: too.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly,
0: the <laughs> we need that today. I mean, you know, you can turn off the news and read happy, <laughs> happy book. We'll all be much happier for it. For everyone who's listening, we're going to have on our Facebook page, Friends in Fiction, we will put an email if you want to reach. Um, to get a copy, you can find that on our. We'll talk. You don't have to worry about it now. It'll all be on our Facebook page mm-hmm. later. But I, I, loved the posts, and and I love it. them. You, it's it's yeah. really beautiful. All right, we've had a chance to ask our questions. So can I, we, can I put more
3: fully answer your question though, because that was a very thoughtful question, and you asked about editing and drafting and so on. When I do oh, yeah. a Facebook page posts um i i try to get rid of the misspellings and you know the the grammatical errors and so on but i don't really um i don't really edit it um i really trust the people in my facebook group there's such a loving community and if someone's having trouble with something the others will chime in it's as that you know they take care of each other i want to say one thing I have noticed in the last few days that some guys are showing up. These random guys. I think there's two or three of them. And they go under the reply thing and they say to that woman, How are you? I don't Uh. know if these guys are looking for a date or what they're doing, but Mm. I in a fury am going, Dilly, dilly, dilly. And then I thought, what if they want to hear from these guys? And somebody's gonna say (laughs) That was to start a relationship. But anyway, I, I, I'm Excellent. checking that out. I'm, ch- I'm trying to have my publisher look into that because it seems very phony to me. Um, and I'm yeah. very protective of my people on yep. Facebook. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you two have
0: noticed that, I'm, I'm trying to fix it. That's fascinating. No, but I think today we all have to be a little more careful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, I, I mean, I'm still... <laughs> That took me back to think that that happened. Mm -hmm. All right. The five Mm -hmm. of us have had a chance to ask. And now what we do is we love to pull questions from both our Facebook page and from Readers Live. So I believe, um, let me just read one thing first. Let's see. We have a comment, which I thought you'd like to hear from Carol Snyder. And she wrote, I'm so happy to have Elizabeth Berg with the Friends. Isn't that cute with the friends? The friends, yeah. I like that. She was the author that pulled me out of my inability to read after the death of my husband. Isn't wow. That's incredible. So I thought you'd want to. That's, that's phrase. And Patty, you have a question. Yeah. When I
2: posted my story about you on my Facebook, a woman named Sylvia Bridge Siegel posted a question underneath it, and I love it. She asked, who did you receive encouragement from when you began to write?
3: Oh, that is a good question. Isn't that great? Yeah. I hear somebody's dog. I love when they Mine. <laughs> I do, too. I love it. I love it. I love when kids burst indoors and so on. But anyway, um, uh, so the people who encouraged me were teachers and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, a teacher I remember distinctly. I was I was in um, I, I guess I was a junior in high school, and um, I I found The Catcher in the Rye, and oh I God. didn't know that you could write like that. That you could just mm-hmm. have this sort of <clears throat> almost like a stream of consciousness. It was very exciting for yeah. me to read that book. And I wrote a response to it. I wrote back to Holden Caulfield. And I yeah. showed my English teacher oh my. And said, you're a really good writer. And uh-huh. um, I just sort of tucked that away. Um, yeah. I really, really loved that he said that. I, I will tell you that I started out not I guess it wasn't a dream of mine to be a writer. I'm not sure I really knew what that meant.
0: Yeah, yeah. a writer,
3: yeah. but I loved to write. And and I sent my first submission. And some of you know this. When I was nine, it was a horrible poem, even for a nine year old. It really, was bad but I thought. I was going to win the prize. And <laughs> that the prize would be about a million dollars. Yeah. I was, was going to buy him a Cadillac. Oh. And I got Connected <laughs> like Great. right away, and um, I I went up on my bed and wept, and I didn't submit for twenty five
0: years. So. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. It's awesome. It's fun. Kristen, you have a question.
4: Yeah, our friend Christy Barrett, who runs a novel B, which is another great site for readers. They're celebrating their birthday this week. Um, mm-hmm. She wants to know if you could be one of your characters for a day, which one would you be and why?
0: Hmm. Oh, good question. That's a
3: great question. And I'm just going to answer by saying the first <clears throat> character who popped in. Wait a minute. I got to get a sip of Martini. <laughs> Can I have a Let us disguise water in case it's you know illegal. Yeah. <laughs> never, never, no. martini <laughs> 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 The first character that popped into my mind when you asked that question was Lucille, who is... Oh, yeah. Oh, I love her. And, yeah. And, and baking all the time. And a baker, all yeah. Around. She's fabulous. And I, want, I would like to be stronger like Lucille is. I would like to care a little bit less about what people say about me or think about me. She does not care you know and, and she can bake she was modeled by the way Mm-mm. on my best friend who's incredibly outspoken and honest which is why i like her to read my book because i know i'm or my work because i know she will never say she, likes something <laughs> or she, she will not have any problem anyway i told her that after i wrote true love i said you know I kind of modeled the character of Lucille after you. And she said, I thought so. <laughs> oh,
0: that's nice.
3: <laughs> I love Lucille.
0: All right, let's get some live questions. Uh, Christy, can you pull up a couple of questions? And Mary- Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so
1: Sheila Benuso says, when you get a bunch of ideas floating around, do you put them all down and then pick one to develop? Or does an idea pop up and that's it? You start writing.
3: The answer is both. Um, mostly, I, I, if a, if an idea really takes hold, I start writing and I and I try to be monogamous, you know. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So I stay with it. But sometimes, not very often, mm-hmm. but sometimes another idea will come along. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll just write it down or jot some notes or something and put it aside. Mm-hmm. I don't work on two things at the same time unless one is a novel and one is, let's say, an essay.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
5: Sure. And Mary Kay. Yeah. Lynn Nicholas, who is also an author, um, says that in so many of Elizabeth's books, her characters share childhood memories in minute detail. And she wants to know, are these descriptions all pure fiction or are some of them from your own childhood? And she's thinking about we're all welcome here, among others. And she says, as one who can't recall much from early childhood, this in-depth understanding or memory of those pre-grade school years amazes me. Um,
3: well, two things. Uh, it's both. Um, we Are All Welcome Here was, was really um, made up, um, except that that idea, um, characteristically for me, was um, because a reader suggested it to me. And I don't like to take ideas from anyone because I have the need to please disease and I don't want to disappoint them so I, I just like to play in my own corner of the sandbox but she uh, this reader had a mother who, who was a nurse and she got polio when she was nine months pregnant with the woman who wrote me they oh. got put in an, she got put in an iron lung the mother the baby was delivered there her mother emerged from the iron lung unable to move anything from the neck down
5: oh my god her
3: husband wanted to leave her and um Ado- well, her husband wanted to adopt out the children. There were three oh. children, and she said
5: mm-hmm.
3: no. And her husband left her, and she raised those children. Wow. And um, so I, I was inspired by the story, wow. but mostly by the photograph she sent of her mother, who was in a wheelchair, um, and despite her circumstances, had the most magnificent, beautiful, strong smile. So I wrote that book. Oh. Only I gave her only one child, <laughs> um, and the wow. child, so the, her childhood was was just. I just made stuff up. That said, oftentimes I do remember things from my own childhood, and I I have a pretty good memory um, for the past. Don't ask me where my brush is, but I have. A memory <laughs> And whenever I hear people say, you know, I, I, I don't know how you remember that stuff. I would invite you to listen to a song from 19, whatever it is, that will evoke strong memories. Uh-huh. You remember more than you think you do.
2: Uh-huh.
3: And once you start remembering, you remember more and more. Um, uh-huh. Also, if you need help, if you want to uh, get details, of, as they say, Right. Uh, when you're thinking about a certain year, go to the library and look at the magazines from that time, and you'll have a rush right. of things come come back.
0: Well, I have to yeah. say, the next segment of our show, Elizabeth, is usually when we ask for a writing tip. But I already feel like you've given. Yeah. You I know. But you have written this wonderful book, Escaping into the Open, and. So it's especially eager, we're all eager to hear what you have to say for a writing tip. So do you mind sharing some some wisdom to us?
3: I don't mind at all, no. Um, And I think to be succinct um, and to say what's most important to me um, in terms of offering someone else advice is, first of all, don't listen too much to other people's (laughs) advice. Mm. And secondly, when you write, don't try to sound like anybody else. Mm. Your own voice is so unique and so important and so needed. I think that any reader can get this rush of excitement when you're reading an authentic voice. You know, we all recognize it. We all respond to it. We're all sort of jazzed up by something we've not seen before. On the other hand, when we see someone trying to sound like someone else, and oftentimes you really can see that, or people trying to write to a a formula of some kind, for me, that that becomes tiresome in a big hurry. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's important that you take risks. Nobody has to see anything until you're ready for them to see it. So take all the risks you want to when you're writing. You can always take things out, but you can't Mm -hmm. always put things in. And um also tell the truth even when you're writing fiction if you know what I mean um, yeah. and, and by that I do I mean that you you tell an emotional truth that you try to try to do that and um, also don't forget to have fun because writing can really be so much fun. <laughs>
0: Thank you for that last bit. That's we have to all remember that. Yeah. That is very beautiful. Um, speaking and speaking of books again, we are we know everyone out there is just dying to order all Elizabeth's books, especially. I'll be seeing you. So, Mary Kay, can you tell everyone about our bookstore again?
5: I'm waiting for it. it's the book table. Yes. in Oak Park. <laughs> <laughs> it's the book table in Oak Park, Illinois. And um they're gonna they are so generously offering a 10% off on any of our books, and of course Elizabeth's book, especially, I'll be seeing you, which comes out. Um, next week. And so that code is friends and fiction. So you can go and you'll see the link to the store right on our our Facebook page. And, um, you know, it's so important right now for us to support indie booksellers. Um, You know, that other place sells toilet paper and spark plugs and all (laughs) kinds of stuff. Um, So it won't hurt them and it will incredibly help. I mean, they're building a, they're colonizing space. What do they care where you buy your book? It matters, but <laughs> you buy a book from an individual <gasps> life, uh, in, in the communities where we live and work and they, they employ our neighbors and, and selfishly, I think all of us would agree. They have, they've been wonderful to all of us and to our career. So, um, yeah. We're a community of readers and writers, and we want to support a community of indie
0: booksellers. And nice. remember that you will get a 10% discount and an autographed book from right. the book table. And we are so falling in love with all the fabulous mm-hmm. that are coming up. It's going to be an incredible season. So, Christy, can you talk? About, you're the host next week. Can you tell us yes. what's coming? I'm so excited.
1: So we have a Just Us episode next week, but we have a little surprise. Are we telling you who our surprise guest is?
2: Yeah, we know it's Cassandra.
1: We oh. do. Okay. I, so, I, was, I couldn't remember. She's I on our know. calendar. She's on the yeah. Okay. okay, so Cassandra King Conroy is going to be popping in um, for sort of a special surprise. So you guys are not going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure that you're there. And then on Sunday, one of my good friends and favorite authors, Wade Rouse, who writes his Viola shipment, is going to be here. And Wade is... It's just too fun for words. So you, you're not going to want to miss that. It's it's
5: always a good time with them. <laughs> yeah. so what time is that, Christine? Let's Don't forget to tell us. What time is it? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, what time is, is Viola Shipman going to be with us on Sunday?
1: Um, At five o'clock on Sunday. Okay. Like a week from Sunday, not this Sunday. A week from Sunday, not this Sunday. Yeah. Sunday,
0: yeah. This, Sunday. Yeah. 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 So this yeah. coming week is the is Wednesday, plus we have a bonus on Sunday. So. Yeah. So that will all be on yeah. the Facebook page yeah. um,
2: this is like a pop quiz and it wasn't prepared <laughs> I know I got nervous I was like oh my god what, time, I, what I, are we
0: doing she's going to get another demerit this week <laughs> <laughs> you are a gem we love you and
3: she wanted to say I, 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 think I, I, want, you know, I want to tell you one said. thing I want to tell you one thing as a person just As a person, I am so renewed by nature. I always kind of find what I'm looking for in nature and in walks. Mm -hmm. And also as a writer, it's very helpful. So before I I came on your show, uh, I was kind of nervous. So I took a walk. And when I took a walk, people have their Halloween decorations out and I saw a circle of ghosts. And um, they appeared to me to be girl ghosts or women ghosts. They had the long skirt and the belted thing. And I thought, you know, (laughs) that's what you guys do. It's, It's you're this circle of support. And I think we're all rolling like the ghosts. I think we're all feeling kind of pale and insubstantial. But we hold hands and we do this circle and we support each other with love and community and friendship and love of books. So thank you to you all for doing this and mm-hmm. you do so much and and it's 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 so welcome and it's so appreciated i hope you know how much but well, now everyone knows why Thank we love you so much yeah Thank you. wow. You're amazing, thank you. oh, Elizabeth. So nice. this,
0: was, uh, this was like I feel like we just sat around in a room and just had a girl talk. This was really oh, great. It was so, so fun. Soon, <laughs> so soon. Fun. I know. Thank you so much. And I guess with that lovely closing, that's our mm-hmm. show for tonight. Thank you so much yeah. for joining us, Elizabeth. Everybody, oh, thank you for on your book table. Bye, and Patty. Personally autographed copy of "I'll Be Seeing You." and all of Elizabeth's titles, as well as our recent books. And to all our viewers, thank you so much for joining us. We're celebrating. We've reached 21,000 members. And if you're not a member of Friends and Fiction, please join our Facebook page. And if you can't make the program, you're out doing something else. I don't know what you'd want to do other than watch us. (laughs) But we do have the Friends and Fiction podcast. And on our website, all our past episodes are there at www.friendsandfiction.com. All our recommended books and everything, where to get happy books, will be on our Facebook page. And that's a wrap. Good night, everybody. Hi, ladies. Good night. Thank, Thank you, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Thank, you. Thank, you.
5: Thank you. Say hi to Bill Forrest. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
1: Oh, Patty had to leave because she's doing, and she has a dinner tonight. She's doing an event, so she's telling everyone she wasn't abandoning us. Oh my she, god! I know you guys know. I was telling everybody else.
0: I just wanted to just keep talking. I mean, oh she, about the
1: books, she, she was so about
0: fantastic. Writing.
4: Yeah, she really was. Oh, wow. a, a good, a good person. Her,
0: that voice of hers, the way she talks and makes you smile and just feel mm-hmm. good, is in yeah. her writing. Yeah, that's- It is. It yeah. absolutely is. <laughs> I feel good after this hour. Uh, hey, Debbie. How- oh, Debbie. And that's how you'll feel after reading her books. And yeah, I was yeah. glad y'all loved Arthur True Love too. I just thought that was... Just- well, I have,
5: now I gotta go read the next two I- I'm getting so backed up with my reading. Oh my gosh, y'all!
1: I know. I I feel like every day, like more books come in the mail, and it's like something to blur, something for friends and patients, something. And it makes me so excited. But then also, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got so many books to read. But it's great. (laughs) Oh,
0: great! I know you will love them. It really. But you know, it is true too that about the the writing, uh, reading as a writer is. That for a while there, it took away the pleasure of reading. It it was almost work, you know. And I, you do, you kind of think, well, this is really great. But there have been a couple books from our guests this Mm -hmm. year that Mm -hmm. I've just let go, and it's such a joy.
1: Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I agree. I some really great
0: books.
5: You know, after Charlene uh, Harris was on last week, I read um, the first in her new trilogy. the Gunny Rose um, mm-hmm. series. And then I, um, for some reason, I went and read the um, uh, the prelude or the prologue to the second book in the ser- series. And I was so mad at myself. I'm like, now I got to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> she, sucked, she sucked you in so quickly yeah. that you That's have awesome. to know. And um, I think, you know, I was thinking about this. We, we should do um, maybe a Just Us segment or we talk about reading across genres. Yeah, oh, great idea. idea. Good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. I'm guilty of not doing that very often. And what I have discovered from this is um, how what an eye opener is, and how good mm-hmm. a, and enjoyable stuff is when you read outside of your genre. And, of course, and, hopefully, and, it's good yeah. stuff yeah. that you're reading. And
4: and yeah. and w- what we're missing if we think that we're just one kind right, of reader, yeah. right? If if you say mm-hmm oh, yeah, I just read historical fiction. I don't read X, Y, and Z. Like, think of everything you're missing out there. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. That's well, the benefit of a good book club, because you do have to yeah. choose a book yeah. and you have to read that's it. That's true. And that's what we're doing on Friends and Fiction. Yeah. yeah. Lots, of, yeah. yeah
5: lots of online book clubs are doing uh, cross reading genre challenges. Right. like you know. And I told myself that at the beginning of last year, I said, okay, you are going to read you know, you're going to do some other reading across genres. And then I sort of forgot about it. And then the the uh you know covid hit and i and i was so panicked i really couldn't read or concentrate yeah for you know the first couple months i i just sort of walked around in circles mumbling yeah. to myself yeah it was
0: <laughs> i know yeah thank the rose phone call mary kay yeah <laughs> exactly i know
4: exactly you to know <laughs> yeah. yeah, really we
0: i, yeah. yeah. I want to go back have you gone back and mm-hmm. looked at the early um videos <laughs> I think Katie is crawling out of the camera yeah. I love that. <laughs> I think, think it's like... Know. I was a floating head.
1: It seems- we've, we've, it, we've evolved since then, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like going back and reading your old books and being like, oh, like, oh I can't believe I did that. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> all right, guys, mm-hmm. I've got to get going. I've got, to, yeah. I've got a four-year-old um, to put to bed. <laughs> right. okay,
1: i got to go put well to bed. I've got to go. And I'm like,
5: why has he not showered yet? <laughs> I'm thinking, what? Where are we going to scrape up some dinner on Tybee? Where they roll up this time of year, they roll up the streets pretty oh. early. Oh, say I love the turtleneck. I'm kind oh, of. Oh, thank you. I took myself fresh. to TJ Maxx. Yes. <laughs> oh, super like, cute. <laughs> <funny. It's> <laughs> cute. <laughs> All right, girls. I'll see you tomorrow.
1: Good night, Bye. y'all. Good Bye. job. Bye. Good night, that was a you, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction Podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com as well as on the Facebook group page Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye.
5: Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.